Welcome, friends, to another amazing episode. And before we get started, I always have a little coach's announcement. Now, I am starting to promote my four-week cycling skills workshop. Now, what it is, it's a lot of one-on-one coaching from me for a ridiculously cheap price. One one hour a week, we're going to go over a certain skill. You're going to get homework. You're going to be in a Facebook page and I'm going to have Q&As in there. And that's where you can actually go in and ask specific questions for a month to help you improve your cycling skills. Uh, We'll be touching on pedal stroke, hill climbing, strength and power and speed and nutrition, everything that makes cycling a more fun experience. And my mission is to get as many women feeling comfortable on their bike and riding safely. So check out sylviedaou.ca. The link will be in the bio or the show notes. And then after this, we are actually killing it. And I want to thank you for being a regular listener in the downloads. We are averaging 2,500 a week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we've reached over 20,000 downloads and just climbing. Our contest is still open. So remember, get your reviews in. I pull a, a winner every Friday and I'm giving out prizes. I haven't been able to find the last two people. So make sure that you put your... Instagram handle so I can find you so I can give your prize out and please keep sharing and enjoying. Thank you so much. I appreciate you more than you know. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another amazing episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling with your host, Sylvie Deo, and this amazing lady, Kinley Gibson, who is sitting in Edmonton. Alberta, Canada, and is a, a, well, she was an elite athlete cyclist for Canada, but now she's turning into quite the cycling coach. So before we get into bringing Kinley out, I'm going to give you a little bit of background and we have some really cool things we're going to be talking about. So I want you to listen. Don't forget to actually follow both of us on social media. So on Instagram, we're both there. And uh, tag someone, share this podcast. Um, this episode is going to be one you're really going to want to um, share with friends. All right. So Kinley started out as a triathlete and eventually transitioned fully to cycling as a second year junior. And so she should because cycling's <laughs> cycling's better. <laughs> I know. I love triathletes. Okay. And then Kinley raced for a track red truck and then cycling racing on the road as well as cycling on the Canadian national team on the track. In the the time span of 2013-2020, she had multiple national championship wins, World Cup medals, and a spot on the 2018 uh, Commonwealth Games while competing for Canada. Her goal was to make the 2020 Olympic team in Tokyo, but was ultimately cut, unfortunately, from the team. And that's one of the things that we're going to really ask her about. Okay. So since stepping away from the Canadian team, Kinley now coaches cyclists of all levels uh, for the Juventus. Juventus. Sorry, I should ask first. Okay. <laughs> and Argyle Velodrome Cycle. So she's a, she's based out of Edmonton. So she works the Velodrome there. 
um, and the Triathlon Academy and the ATV Financial Corporate Cycling Team. So away from the bike, she works as a personal trainer, is completing her third year of health sciences at Queen's University from a distance, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> yes. to the podcast. Super happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's just dive in. I always ask everybody, how did you get into cycling? Sure. So... I was the kid growing up that did every single sport, every single activity. I had like just an absolute mess of extracurriculars and I don't know how my parents managed it, but anyway. Um, so lots of different sports. Uh, I did like basketball, volleyball, horse riding, triathlon, like you name it, like tons of different stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, and I and I started, I got into triathlon uh, kind of when I was like 13, 14, a bit more seriously, um, with this coach uh, named Kevin Clark here in Edmonton, who I actually work with now as a like an assistant coach, which has been kind of a cool full circle. Um, and so I, I really liked triathlon, like don't get me wrong, I had a lot of fun in the event, uh, but I definitely wasn't going anywhere in the swimming department to put it as nicely <laughs> as I can. Um, oh, yeah. No, was, I couldn't deal. Anyway, um, so from there, uh, I actually, I got into track cycling through Juventus Cycling Club. They have a really awesome program for kids called uh, LAMP that was started by Lorianne Munzer. And it oh. basically gets kids out like racing, track trying out mountain bike trying out road like just a whole bunch of um kind of different disciplines um it's totally volunteer run it's just like a really awesome organization um so I went out with them first when I was kind of 13 14 and solely as I kind of turned into a junior um I started focusing a bit more on cycling particularly road and track I, I really enjoyed them and I was kind of starting to see some success there um, I had a few really awesome coaches. So, uh, one guy, Tracy Shearer, when I was a bit younger, um, and then eventually, uh, this guy, Cameron Jennings, who ended up being the, um, uh, development coach, the next first next gen coach for, for the Canadian women. Um, he came over from Australia and was, was in, was in Edmonton for, for a few years. So he was my coach. Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of just, I started seeing success at the junior level. Things started, you know, kind of growing and multiplying. And by the time I was 17, I was qualifying for, for junior worlds and junior Pan Ams and, and feeling, you know, really quite invested in this whole cycling sport and journey. Uh, so I fully stepped away from triathlon when I was like, I don't know, 16, 17, and decided to just kind of throw myself in to cycling and, and see how far I could go with it. So that's a, that's a rundown for you. <laughs> I love it. So, because, you know, cycling's where it's at. I know I love triathlon. I tried it once. I can't say that I didn't. I had my, my badge of experience and then I'm like, no, this is way too boring for me. I need to do something else. And plus I didn't like the swimming. Uh, lake swims I just I don't need to hop in a lake and get kicked in the face by a bunch of other people I just don't like it's just a washing machine you're like swallowing like lake water like I was like you know I, there's got to be a better way than this and there was it was quitting stop like stop swimming all together so yeah. all right so now you're 16 17 now you were picked up or you started racing with red truck. No, sorry, track. Well, I'm going to say red truck. Just I red truck. I, yeah. Were you racing with them at the women's UCI Gatineau race? Um, okay. Right. So the first time, let me think about this. First time I did Gatineau, yeah. I did it as a second year junior with the Canadian team. So okay. Canada had a national team there and I had gone down to, I, I might get this wrong, but I had gone down to a camp in South Carolina um, okay. as a second year junior. 
And at that time, Denise Kelly was coaching the rogue team. Okay. And I rode, um, actually it was the second year I went down there. I went down the, there the first year and was, it was fine, but it was not great. And then I went down the second year and I was quite a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And Denise Kelly, I think from there kind of invited me on to race the Gatineau race with some of the older Canadian girls. Like I think Lex raced it. Um, okay. Oh gosh. I, I honestly don't really remember. Um, anyway, it was like a small Canadian team and she, it was like, throw you in there, see how you do and try and learn some things. So that was fun. Like they, that, that was like kind of my first bigger road race that I got to do. And I had no idea what was going on. And I was just like, oh my God, there's Lars following the race. Like what's happening? Like, I was like so confused and (laughs) like, no clue. Um, but yeah, that was, that was super fun. That was kind of like my first big road race, I guess. That's a good first road road race. Like, like big, at? like big road race. I've done local stuff, obviously, oh. but yeah. <laughs> like looking around. Uh oh my god. <laughs> like make sure I So then is that where you were picked up by Jenny and the cyclery? She seems to be like picking up girls. <laughs> no. So I, I was on red truck first. So I got onto red truck, I think when I was, oh God, first year elite, either end of my, I think it was the end of my second year junior and the start of my first year elite. Um, I had known Jenny because she came down to like the first cycling Canada project I ever did, which was a track, was track, junior track Pan Ams in Guatemala. And oh. Yeah. And I think she, like, I think she was there, she was there as like an assistant coach. And so that's where I first met her. And then I kind of like knew her basically forward from there. Like you'd see her at all the races and everything. And then we got to be closer and she got more involved, like when I did transition to cyclery, but no, I rode on red truck 2015 and 2016. Um, Yeah. And that was awesome. I really, I love that team. Like we had such, like we had an awesome just couple years, like just a really strong group of girls. Um, you know, like we did a ton of just like really fun races. It was good vibes. Like it was, yeah, it was like a fun couple of years with them for sure. Are they based out of Edmonton? No, they're based out of Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so then you spent a little time on cyclery and then you transitioned to the track. Is so I was you... kind of, I was kind of doing track all the way up. So, right. cause it's a little bit two different worlds. Like I was kind of always involved on the track side with the national team, whether it was like as a junior, as a development rider, um and then eventually as an elite rider kind of like from basically 20 late 2016 forward I guess is the best way to say um so I would ride the road my ultimate goals were always kind of track-based like I always kind of had in the back of my head like Tokyo 2020 on the track like for team pursuit that's that's like where my arrow is pointing um but the road is obviously so integral. Like, I mean, the two worlds are super mashed, right? So, um, yeah, so I, I raced for Red Truck for those two years. And then I, I transitioned over to the cyclery just because at that time, the next gen program uh, on the track side of Cycling Canada was starting to get more uh, meshed with the cyclery. And uh, the cyclery is kind of becoming a little bit you know, intertwined with the next gen track program. So it just was a natural fit of like, rather than trying to fit my track obligations around what I needed to do on the road for red truck, it just made more sense to go with a team that was going to kind of work around those track obligations, you know, first, and then I can do the road sort of secondary. That makes sense. Yeah. So this sort of segues into, you said your pointing your arrow towards 2020 Tokyo. Yeah. Now, in this mix, you were able to get a Petro Canada grant. 
Yeah. How does that work? Because I actually, that's the first time I've heard of it. Um, it was the first time I'd also heard of it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And so, so how did you go about finding it and, and being the successful recipient of it? And because like I was mentioning, like I saw you in all these little um, interviews uh, through Patrocan. I imagine that was part of the, the, um, the package, but also working your way towards Tokyo. How did you get on that, like that track? Sure. Um, so that, I believe that grant actually my coach at the time who was Cameron Jennings, um, nominated me for the grant. Um, and so I kind of found out that I was nominated after I got it, <laughs> which was like a <laughs> lovely surprise. <laughs> um, no, interview, no, <laughs> no, it kind of just like, yeah, it sort of just like happened, at least from memory. I hope I'm not remembering that wrong. Um, it's been a few years, but uh, yeah, that was like a super, like just, that was a really helpful um, little bit of money to get who who applied for it because you know about these grants like nobody knows about them so like yeah okay everybody who's listening if you know a good athlete who's really <laughs> killing it check out this I don't even know if, if it's still around but Petro Canada <laughs> coaching is definitely still around like they'll they still support yeah. like, coaching so odds are it's somewhere <laughs> buried on the website go find it and nominate someone for it. Honestly, like, I mean, I'm also just clueless. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> but no, it was, it was, it came through at a like really fortunate time. Like, and I think Bridge the Gap, like the Bridge the Gap funding also really fills that need because like, you know, when you're a junior, your parents, I mean, if you're lucky, I don't want to say everyone's parents support them, but I was lucky enough to have parents that really supported me. And I know other juniors that I raced with also were, were lucky enough to have parents that really supported them. And, you know, you have that support, but then there is that gap when you hit elite. And I think it's really pronounced for, for women, particularly like you don't get a U23 field, like you don't really get a separate stage to kind of like show what you're made of and show what you can do like you're thrown in with the big dogs immediately and it's like sink or swim like <laughs> go for it kind of thing right yeah and so it's just hard to it's hard to kind of like make your mark and stay financially afloat and get on teams and again I had a lot of support from my parents like I would not have been able to do this if I didn't have my parents supporting me like just full stop. And that's, I mean, one of the unfortunate things about cycling as well, but, um, yeah, it was, it was like a very, it was like a perfectly timed thing because I kind of just left junior and I wasn't really seeing a ton of success yet, um, as a first year elite and, uh, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that is super, super helpful. I think for, especially that age group of like 19, 20, 21 year olds, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Kinley, what was the chunk of money? I have to ask. I think it was 5,000. Okay. Here I was like 15,000. I'm like, that'd be a good chunk of money for. No, it was not that much. <laughs> no, no, but it was still really good. It was still really good. <laughs> I yeah. think at least one or two trips, depending on where you're going. Yeah. But get you. Um, so you got that funding. So now you, so then how did, where did you make the team working towards um, Tokyo? Cause that, that was your goal. Yeah. So I was um, out of junior, I did, I was on the track and then 2014, 2015, um, the girls who went to Rio were all working together and doing camps. And there was basically like Ariane Bonhomme and I, these like two 
little kiddos right out of junior and we were super interested super involved in the track and there was just not a ton of interest and involvement from other juniors that we were with like oh. a lot of our junior year just kind of vanished you know they did a couple years and then they were just gone and like we were some of the only ones I mean if I think of like our year like of junior racing like we're well now she is basically the only one like left still fully racing like it's kind of crazy um so we would kind of tag along like we'd get to go to some of these camps and down in Los Angeles and in like Malibu and stuff and sometimes join in with the girls when they're doing like the elite girls I mean the ones training for Rio while they were prepping and hop in and like try and hang on for some efforts go out for some road days like that was kind of you know we were just we were just trying to learn and get as much development as we could and and because there wasn't really others in our age group we kind of had the privilege of just being thrown in with this like olympic group occasionally which was really really cool like i think it definitely made us better riders which is you know can't complain about that right yeah i'll say jesus <laughs> and like be accepted into the group and actually be able to ride with them I mean of course that's going to propel you forward so then you find yourself training for Tokyo right yeah um once the Rio Olympics were done um a spot kind of opened up for the two of us so oh okay not not entirely but I mean they've just done this like crazy four-year quad training 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 and like there's definitely some riders in there that wanted to step back and take a breather and the two of us were like hey you can hop in and go places like <laughs> so yeah so we got to go like early or early later 2016 um we went down and we did Pan Ams in Mexico and race team pursuit down there um which was like super super fun had a great time um we also got to do this like awesome project in cali colombia like early 2017 it was the first world cup either of us had raced and so they paired the two of us off with uh laura brown and steph rorda who were like just total mentors and kind of took us through the whole world cup process and um just taught us so so much and so like yeah like our first world cup experience was basically just this little team with the four of us and we did the prep in milton and we flew into cali and like and we did like we had i think we were actually silver at that world cup like we um it just it was a really fun project because it just came together like really smoothly everyone rode really well like everyone felt good um and like we just had so much fun. Like Ariane and I, like we're just like, oh, we're in a world cup, like la la la. Like, <laughs> um, I've had the so, pleasure to be wearing her too. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, now that I think about it, that was actually our second world cup. The first world cup we did, uh, everyone, no one talks about it because uh, it was really, really bad. So. <laughs> Maybe I won't bring it up. You have to talk about the bad stuff too. You can't say ah, everything was awesome. Okay, why was it bad? Because we oh. all have competitions. Well, like we were, we were. It was in 2015. <laughs> it was in 2015, and at this point, we'd really done no prep, and it was like it was a team of like four Devo athletes. It was like me, Ariane. Annie Foreman Mackey. Oh, she, I, she's going to hate that I threw under the bus. And uh, Catherine Desero. And we showed up and we were, we barely trained together. We had no clue what we were doing. We were like second last. Like we, oh, so bad. Oh, Sylvie. Oof. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> like no like we like I, I don't know just imagine like everything that can go wrong in a team pursuit went wrong like it was well, just like did, a, did you no we did we all stayed upright thank god like that would have been the icing on the cake but did you, like 
split apart? Was there big gaps or like, were you just- No, it was just, it, there was big gaps. There was, we didn't know how to, what we were doing. We didn't know how to ride the wheel. It was like, oh, it was just, anyway, it's, I like, you can tell I've purged it from my mind because I told you that the 2017 World Cup was the first one that I'd ever done. And like, I'd like fully erased it. I was like, hang on, that's not entirely true. <laughs> I want to hear the bad and the, <laughs> so yeah. So you, you learned a lot from that one, basically. <laughs> yes. We learned that you need more than like three weeks of prep if you want to go race a World Cup. I think that was the. <laughs> you like, so Cycling Canada, what were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> well, look how far you guys have come, like, honestly. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You have to have one of those. You right? do, you and, do. And it's that you don't know how anything to like train on and think about and improve. Well, it's kind of like, I mean, I can think of the first time, like the first year I went to Junior Worlds, I was like last in literally every race. <laughs> so I came out of there and I was like, well, at least I know where the bar is and I'm down here and it's up here. So I've got lots of improvement. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it's yeah. better than being like, I don't know if it's better than being like, at the top when you're like, you know, the bar is so high, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you just have to get better and better and better. I think like starting kind of close to the middle is always like, you know. Well, you have, enough. you can either, you have the, either the, you know, the joy of exceeding people's expectations when you show up next year, or, <laughs> you know, you just, the bar's already on the floor. So they don't. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't expect anything any anyway out of you, so that's you know whatever. <laughs> well, I love that you brought in that one because you know it's always like, yeah, it was an awesome race. It's an awesome race. I'm like, Come I bet on. Arianne didn't talk about the 2015 World Cup. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'd have to yeah. back, but I don't think we mentioned that one. No. <laughs> So, all right. Well, you were able to stay on the team, thankfully. <laughs> and uh, they're like, okay, well, uh, well, forget that one. Let's move on to the next World Cup. <laughs> the second one we did went great. It went fabulous. So there you go. <laughs> you know, it's probably what, I don't know if it was one of those situations where like, okay, we need to put a team in. Who are we going to pick? <laughs> Girls. Oh, I bet you anything it was one of those situations. And I don't think they were like, oh, these girls are just so talented. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, come on. <laughs> never ridden with this girl before. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about you leading up to um, well, so this is this is like what we're really gonna talk. Well, what we're really we're gonna focus on because yes. This is another, it's one of those things like you're on the team, you're, um, you're training for Tokyo. So after, I guess, the next world, you're on your way to training for Tokyo. And, you know, that was like on your radar, 100%. Like, let's just talk about that. Because remember what we were saying that, I mean, Kinley got cut hate to say it you know it's, it's hard to say like she didn't yeah. make team so how do you go through that you know emotionally because I know we were talking about this before so I you know I want to bring that back like emotionally mm -hmm. and like you're leading up to okay you talk you talk okay yeah. um sure so I always knew Tokyo is going to be a little bit of a long shot because, or maybe not long shot, but it was going to be tough <laughs> yeah. because I was pretty consistently kind of that alternate rider, that like fifth, sixth, sometimes seventh person. Um, and I mean, they take four and then you've got a fifth alternate or Omnium rider, whoever it might be for team pursuit. And so 
because I was always kind of on that outside, it was like, all right, this thing is not a sure thing. I need to make sure I do. I need to check every box. I need to do everything as well as I possibly can. Like, they're, like you got to minimize your off days. You've got to be as consistent as you can be. Like, that was kind of like my mindset. And so I, I really did try and put together every little piece that I could leading up to Tokyo. Um, one thing about that alternate spot is like, I think, I think you learn a lot about just like interacting in a team dynamic when you're in that position, because in a lot of races, you're like, I mean, you're the support person. You're kind of, you're there in case anything goes wrong, but you're you're there to make sure that your teammates go fast like ultimately like it's not about you on race day like it's about them like they're the ones going up to the start line and doing their ride and so I think it was really useful for me and I think I learned a lot just like kind of as almost an, an observer sometimes um, because I was very involved in the process but I was also not necessarily always the one riding or racing and so I think I got to kind of sit back and, and see what worked and see what didn't work for certain teammates and, and for kind of the process overall. So um, I did always really enjoy that alternate role. Actually, I, I found it really valuable for myself as a person. Hmm. Um, but sorry, anyway, back to, back to Tokyo and like prepping. That's good Because I think it's, it's a mindset to say, like, I mean, you could be negative about it and be, you know, or you, use it as a good learning tool for yourself to go you know this is what I can apply I assuming to yourself when you're yeah. back in that position but awesome okay so you're moving on to Tokyo let's go yeah so well I'll give a quick kind of rundown of basically what happened in terms of my prep and then getting cut um so kind of through this summer of 2019 mm -hmm. um I was feeling really good. I felt I was, I was racing on the road really well, kind of training was ticking along really well. Like it was just a, a really positive summer. Like it's definitely one of the best, like best times I've ever felt out on the road. Like I've, I felt awesome through the road season. Um, in August of that year, we went down as a team to Colorado and in Colorado, I had an awesome altitude camp so we were there for this big three-week altitude block and then we were supposed to go to Bolivia to to race Pan Am championships oh, and wow. I felt like so good down in Colorado like honestly the best I've ever felt on the bike I've always I'm someone that I do really well at altitude I really enjoy um, the challenge of altitude and it was just like an awesome camp and I was just like man this is this is taking along like I was feeling I I've, I think I said this to you in the pre-interview, but like, I'm not someone like, I don't count my chickens. Like, I don't, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't like to jinx myself. I just like to wait and see and like not talk too much, but, um, but I was feeling really good. I was like, this is actually, if I can like keep this momentum going and keep this trajectory going, it's a long way away, but you know, this Tokyo thing could actually happen. Like, that's actually pretty crazy. I feel really good. <laughs> and so then they, we ended up going to Bolivia and I was the alternate for, uh, the team pursuit in Bolivia. I didn't get to race. Um, the girls raced team pursuit really, really well. They did post an awesome time. Um, it was, and I was going to race the scratch race and points race. And I went out and I raced the scratch race and I felt awesome. Uh, I think I was second or third um and just like felt like so good like I was like man this is wicked like this is really coming together then a couple days later because it's Bolivia I kind of got some food poisoning and didn't feel super good so then I had this like points race to do which I was not <laughs> terribly stoked on um I was feeling pretty run down at that point but I went in and I was just getting like I didn't have anything in my legs. Like I just felt like so, so crappy. And I just remember doing like these laps and being like, how did I feel so good? Like five days ago, like, I just feel like I was like getting lapped. I was like, oh, like it was horrible. And then right in front of me, 
big crash, run into the crash, boom, down I go, smack my head on the apron. And I hit my head like pretty darn hard on the ground. I stood up and immediately was like, something's wrong. I was super out of it. I was having a really hard time balancing. Um, I always knew where I was. It was, it was more just like visual stimuli was really, um, made me super, super dizzy, made me super nauseous. Walking in a straight line was kind of tough, like kind of like basic motor stuff was, was a problem. Um, and so though, right. What's that? You had a concussion before. Yeah. No, this was the concussion that I got in September. This was the concussion. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So anyway, so I kind of knew pretty soon, like, all right, this is going to be a bit of a setback for sure. Like this is going to take some time. And, um, I actually from Bolivia flew home, probably the worst flight of my life. Cause I was just like nauseous and felt like absolute garbage the entire time flew home. I stayed in Milton for a week so I could like go see the doctor there. I stayed with like Annie um, and then like Amelia and Aiden, I stayed in their house so they could keep an eye on me. I didn't stay at like my own apartment where I was living in Milton. Um, and they were awesome. They basically just like took care of me like for a week. Cause I was an invalid. Like I was like not capable of doing anything. I'd get up to like try and wash a dish and be like, Oh, I need to sit down. Like I was like a nightmare. And so props to them. Like they were the best. Um, and then eventually I flew home and then I was home for like a month and I ended up, I, I, I had some very good people in my corner that helped me manage my recovery really, really well. And I really had the luxury of not needing to rush back. Like cycling Canada just basically gave me the, gave me the message of like, take as long as you need, make sure you're healthy. And that was going to be my mindset anyway. Like I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've always had other goals outside cycling. Like I didn't need to, I don't know, mess up those goals. Like my, my, the health of my brain was kind of like my first priority. And I didn't really care if I had to take a bunch of time off to make sure my brain got healthy. So I was able, because of that mindset, I think, and because of the really good support network that I had, um, both through cycling Canada and my teammates, and then you know, my family back home, I actually was able to kind of come back fairly quickly given kind of the severity of what the concussion was. So I was back in Milton training, I want to say like end of October and the concussion would have happened like early September. So honestly, not bad. Right. Um, It's pretty quick. Yeah. So, so yeah, now here we are like end of October and I'm I still have that Tokyo goal. And so I sat down with a few of the coaches and stuff involved in the decision-making. And I basically said, listen, do I still have a shot? Cause if I don't have a shot and you don't want to bring me to the games, like, just let me know now. Cause there's other stuff I can do. Like there's other interests I have. There's other things that, you know, there's other things I want to pursue outside of the sport. And so if Tokyo is not a realistic goal for me anymore with the time I've had to take away, let me know. And I'm going to step away. And that was kind of my, the way I framed it. And kind of good. Yeah. I, I mean, I always kind of knew Tokyo was probably going to be my like end end goal. And if I didn't make it, I was going to be pretty content stepping away. And so at this point I was like, you know what? just let me know. And if it's go, it's a go. And if it's not, then I'm going to step back. And so they basically told me, all right, well, the elite team's going to go to New Zealand. They're going to do this big training camp. And, uh, we might have you come in later and join them. We need to see how training goes over the next few months, but they said, you're not out of the game. You could still make the team. Um, you just need to put in as much work as you can kind of up until this world cup in, in January. And what we want you to do is we want you to race the world cup in January with the next gen development team. And we're going to see how it goes. And we're going to make a decision from there. And I was like, all right, seems fair. Like I, I was kind of in, like, I thought that was a really fair way of doing it. And yeah, I kind of just put my head down and, uh, 
it was sort of a combo thing. So part of it was I needed to, I just needed to raise my peak power. Like I just needed more and more watts, right? So um, up until that point, I had always been a very, very lean person and very lean racer. And they said, you got to eat more food. Like you got to put on a whole bunch of muscle or you're not going to be able to like do what you need to do. So I was like, all right. Wow. Plan. So like, oh my God. <laughs> buy the cow. Cause that's basically what I got to eat in the next. Oh, day. honestly, honestly. So I was like, all right, let's do this thing. Like oh, I'm in, like I'm all in. So I was doing these like really hard training sessions out on the road, in the track and the gym and just eating just wild amounts of food like whew, just it would yeah. blow you away and yeah. at least for me like I don't know I'm not like a bodybuilder like I, I'm well, I was just gonna say like <laughs> when, you're, when you get into building body mass like even yeah. as your competitor you are eating a considerable amount you know and I've had some crazy different meal plans from different coaches and I'm like are you serious like you really want me to eat this like every morning for a month like every yeah. and she's like yes and then you know you do it and you you pack on like 10 uh five maybe seven pounds and you're like oh my god <laughs> and then you're like oh yeah now I have to maintain this but it, it it's crazy because yeah I, uh, it was I was fortunate that it, at least it was pretty flexible like it was you know eat something from this food group and you're trying to get x grams of protein and x grams of carbs so like I could make it fit what I wanted it to fit um but it was definitely like a, a different experience for me like yeah it was it was interesting um you don't like it worked like I mean yeah, it works it I worked. put on like two and a half kilos of muscle or something crazy like it was in like not a long it was like I don't know like a month and a half like it was like a really short period of time I was yeah. like oh cool all right this thing does apparently work um and so so yeah so I trained through November and uh in Milton doing like this really big strength block that was like I mean I love strength stuff and high power stuff like that I mean, if I'm going to do anything on the bike, like I love stuff like that. So, um, that was really fun. And then I actually got to go to Girona with a few of the next gen athletes. Um, and we were pretty much there on our own, like, uh, Laura Brown and was there for, a, for, for a bit, um, like helping out, which was awesome. So we got to do some riding with her. Um, and then Sean Clark as well. Uh, but most of my rides, I was out just riding on my own doing long miles in Girona we we're staying in like right downtown it was this awesome little place um and so it December was like super fun some of the most like productive training I've ever done in my life because I could just set my own schedule do what I needed to do and like I'm someone like I, I love riding on my own like don't get me wrong like I like riding with other people too but I like to just like go out set my pace and cruise and um yeah. So yeah, like that whole month of December, like I, I was feeling super, super fit. Like I was just, I was again, riding the best I've ever ridden. Um, and then we came in for January, the world cup was supposed to be the end of the month. And we trained, I trained with the next gen team kind of all through January. Um, and they were awesome. Like they're a ton of fun. Like just they, that whole group, like that whole like next gen trap group, they've got the most positive, attitudes and Jenny is like just created such a like good little team culture and okay. oh my god they're amazing so like I had so much fun with this group like they were just a blast like every single day it was a total blast with them and we we ended up we rode the world cup it went really really well we were third like and I I felt great in the rides. Like I was taking these long pulls and, and felt really strong. I had some test data from, uh, from January that was like, I'd done kind of the best four minute power that I ever done. Like I was feeling like really good. Like this is, this is on, right. This is, 
I, I was finally, once that World Cup was done in my head, I was like, I think I just, I think I've cinched this thing. Like, I think I'm going to get a phone call that is a good phone call. Like I was feeling, and I don't think that way. Like, just, I want to be like really clear. Like I never assume that I'm going to be successful. <laughs> uh-huh. like, like I, I'm very, very wary of like thinking something good is going to happen. I'm like, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get, you don't know what's going to happen. Don't get ahead of yourself. Like, Hmm. and so I was in that mindset finally of like, I think I've checked the boxes I need to check. Like, I think this could actually work out. And so ring, ring, I get a call on the phone and I answer so excited. Oh, let me tell you, yada, yada, yada. And no. Oh, you're like, yeah, <sighs> yeah, they, they basically, uh, the, the coach Matt was basically like, yeah, we're, we've, we've decided not to take an alternate. So essentially the position that I was looking to, to fill was cut entirely from the team. Oh. So yeah, like, it, it well be cut because I don't want to hear about some other chick. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that is at least a small like thing. Is it's not like actually I've decided to go with uh, you know yeah you like Mary Sue over here. Like I was like, oh okay, well I mean at least you got rid of the whole position. I don't have to feel too bad. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, that was a, a bit of a shock to the system. And I was actually moving back to Edmonton the next day. So I got that call at 9 p.m. at night. And that was quite the emotional little roller coaster, let me tell you. And then at like 4.30 a.m. the next day, I had to be in my car driving back to Alberta in January. So that was uh, <laughs> quite the journey, let me tell you. You're driving in the winter to Edmonton. Yes. <laughs> through northern Ontario like all the little roads and so how did you emotionally take it like I know that and and I can just imagine like being in your foot and your in your position when you you know you're like this is it I made it and then but you also seem like you have things on the back burner and that's cool I'm just going and it's it's kind of like me. It's like, oh, you're firing me. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm on to the next project. Yeah, look, yeah. I let the door hit my ass on the way out. I'm <laughs> cool. See you later. <laughs> so, how did you deal with? It? I mean, I I, I, I did. Like, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm not going to pretend it was like some easy thing that I just left off because I, I definitely didn't like, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it's been a goal of mine since I was tiny. I have been, I would say actively training towards it for, I had been actively training towards it for probably eight eight years at that point. Like if I kind of count the years as a junior, which like as a junior, I still had that goal. Right. And so, and I, you know, so that's a really big portion of your life that is dedicated to this like one singular thing. Um, And I think part of it was like, there's a little bit of fear, I think, that you don't know how to function in the quote unquote real world, because I've been a athlete my whole life, like, Mm -hmm. you know, going all up and up and through high school and everything. Like I was in a billion different sports and super, super, you know, busy all the time. And I always had my schedule set for me. And I always like, you know, I set my own goals in the sport, but like the sport, you know, I, it was, I was on, I was on a set of rails. And as soon as I kind of left high school, well, then I was on another set of rails and the set of rails was the national team or, or the road team I was racing on. And that set of rails was pointing towards this station at the end of the track which was Tokyo 2020 and so everything I did was within that framework like just as a reference like I'd never had a proper job I like you know like I'd never really had to build anything for myself or, or or it was always it was always presented to me here's the next race here's the next thing you're gonna go do this is the goal at the end of this year this is what we're you know so like 
I just wasn't used to thinking off the rails at all. And so when I got this news, I mean, I had been making plans, but my plans had been for, my plans had been for September of 2020. So in September of 2020, I know I want to be back in Edmonton mm-hmm. and I want to be going to school and maybe I want to be pursuing like a personal trainer certification and working in a gym somewhere. Like these were kind of things I was putting together and basically all those plans got fast forwarded, like right, boom to the start of the year. And then I was kind of like, first. yeah, yeah. It was like, I don't have anything in place for this. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so there was that sense of like, kind of that fear of like, I don't know, I don't know how to be a human being. Like there's just like, really, like, I don't know how else to describe it. So there was that, but then there was also this sense of like, I don't like just real loss because you train with this group of girls, mm-hmm. whether it was the next gen girls kind of later on or the elite girls, you build this real sense of community, this real sense of, um, just belonging you're with these people 24 7 like and through good and bad and you have fights with these people and you you get along with them sometimes and you confess things to each other and like it's just it's like I mean it really is you're with them more than you are with your own family Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden that's taken away too and now you're you're just totally on your own and it's like good luck (laughs) And there are, I don't want to make it sound like it was completely like you're kicked out the door and there's no resources for you because there are like, there's programs like Game Plan and, and Cycling Canada did a really good job of like reaching out to me. And so I'm going to ask about that because I just, yeah. learned, I just learned about that from a girl, Paige Lawrence. She's, um, she's in my, uh, a business mastermind group of mine and she's an ex-pro figure skater. Yeah. For Canada. And she was telling me about that. And I'm like, what? I've never heard about that. So I'm glad that, that you mentioned it. So it's game plan. Yeah. And that's for um, Canadian Olympic athletes who are no longer or retired or from teams. Like, all sports. Yeah. Like, they basically pair you up with an advisor. Um, okay. And they run different workshops and stuff. And, like, you can basically ask them for lack of a better term you can ask them adulting questions they're like hey I've never made a resume what the heck do I put on a resume like honestly yeah I guess yeah like stuff that you've just not really done and I I really didn't utilize them too much I'm very much an independent learner for lack of a better like I was just like all right I've never made a resume well go Google how to make a resume. And I like just started putting stuff together and, and kind of found my own path that way. I did chat with the advisor a a few times and, um, he was definitely helpful and like, you know, super open and stuff, but I just, I felt, I felt like I could kind of make my own way once I got my feet under me. And so, um, but yeah, it's a great organization. And like I said, like Cycling Canada also reached out with lots of resources and, um, Oh, no. Oh yeah. 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 No, it was, it wasn't like you're out on your butt good luck kind of thing like it there was more support than that but it it is very jarring and there's no way to make it not jarring I guess yeah I bet yeah that I'm sure that there's not like they can't miss well maybe it's just hard you have to go through those emotions first yeah um you know somebody can step in and help you and maybe (laughs) <laughs> through therapy <laughs> I mean <laughs> Mike because you know a lot of people have their whole identity wrapped around that and when it's yeah. if you don't have your own uh transition to retirement planned out then and it it comes as a surprise you know like from an injury or something like that then you know it's uh, that's a bit of a surprise when you don't have um things like that in place yeah, it's funny you say that about identity. Like, I think I thought I wasn't someone who had my entire identity wrapped up in it. Like, I think, I think that I thought I had balance. Like, 
I think if you'd ask me, are you, are you balanced? Do you have a good balance between sport and your life? I think I would be like, yeah, I have a balance, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Now that I've had a little bit of space and like 18 months or whatever, like it's been like, I, now I'm like, no, I didn't have any balance. Like I've, I only rode my bike. Like, what are you talking about? Like I, <laughs> now I actually feel like I am properly balanced and I actually do have, you know, other avenues, but at the time it was, I was pretty gung-ho, like eyes focused on this one singular thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So I guess you weren't too torn up when COVID hit. <laughs> I just have to mention that. It's like, yeah, take that. <laughs> no, well, I'm not going to pretend I'm like a saint, but, but like, now I'm like now I got some real time to figure out what I want. It was yeah, it was definitely like a a weird mix of emotions of being like, oh, I'm kind of glad I dodged the bullet a little bit. Like, oh yeah, that's I right. Don't envy having to try and pivot as an as like a someone training for the games. Like, so much of your prep is already done, and you've sorted everything out, and then like people that have planned out like full like their full kind of retirement what they're gonna do after like oh I I I mean I I felt really bad for the girls when I heard the news like that's like the, another year of racing oh my god they <laughs> I got to see like I know how much work they put in I know how much work they put in in, in the span of time from 2016 to 2020 and like to to have the rug pulled out from you like that like that's oh I I would have been so beyond devastated yeah to be like just kidding you need to put in another year because like don't get me wrong it's an amazing experience and like all that stuff is totally true but like it's freaking hard and you put a lot of your life to the side so you can do this one thing and to be told like just kidding can you just just keep trucking along like just keep riding oh my god yeah September to for next year yeah it's crazy like I mean I, am, I know I worked I talked to Kelsey Mitchell who was super new yeah and she's just like whoa that was the best thing ever because now I can go back and actually get better and I think she was like <laughs> I mean but I see from her her point because she was so newly recruited and she yeah through so much hardness like just trying to get to a point where she could race properly and she's like oh my god this is the best thing ever like <laughs> I can actually prep properly but well, that's the thing like I think it's going to be a really interesting games to watch because there's so many I mean you want to talk adaptability like this is gonna be who's the most adaptable and who's been the most consistent I mean there's people in her position that like yeah you know, like thank god you're gonna give me another year of prep like booyah this is the best news I've ever gotten in my life or like yay I wasn't quite feeling ready for it to begin with and others girls I'm like oh my gosh I've been training for like four years already yeah <laughs> like, yeah now I've got it's, another <laughs> it's so interesting like I think just the I yeah seeing seeing what comes out of this is going to be well and just the games themselves I think are going to be so odd like yeah with reduced spectators or maybe no spectators and you know I I think we're used to it now like watching football watching like watching basketball like you know there's no they just really don't look at the stands too much right it's all like yeah 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 Navon the play but okay so let's like I know we've been chatting for a long time but let's <laughs> okay. talk about like your transition so you're like okay yeah uh-huh I um I am now like this is what I'm gonna do so now you're coaching it's been you know it's been a year a yeah. bit and you started a business for yourself and uh let's just talk about being like Kinley the coach cool yeah um, um you so mostly so like, I have a what's that you're like okay girls um who's on the Olympic 
track to go, okay, well, we're going to have a talk. And then, you know, like, this is how we're going to create balance. Because I think, I think it's so important now that we have more, and I'm sure and there's always been like Olympic, like coaches who have gone and experienced to a high, high level, like you did, that you have so much to give to younger athletes to help them better prepare themselves like you said I had no balance whatsoever like you know (laughs) now I'm like okay we're gonna do things differently so that you are like do you feel that way yes like 100% like I so so basically what I'm doing for coaching like I'm working for a few kind of a broad range of organizations um just like kind of basically like like a contractor and and I'm working for Juventus that's kind of like you know mostly kind of younger kids um Avra is kind of kids with more um kind of aspirations towards racing it's more of like a performance focus Mm -hmm. um I'm doing some stuff with a, a corporate cycling team so like total like general population they First time they've been on a bike, they are like, you know, they're like super, super new. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so like, and then I'm, I'm working with, with Kevin, uh, the Edmonton Triathlon Academy. So like where I started the sport, I now got to work with him and coach his little like kiddos out on the bike, which has been really, really fun. And so, yeah, like kind of my especially with the younger ones I think there's like a really big sense I feel a very large sense of responsibility to make it to make cycling as a sport like a positive experience because ultimately like if I think about high performance like taught me a lot for sure but I think there's so much good that comes out of sport not in a high performance context as well and so if you know the younger kids that I'm coaching decide they want to go that route and they want to race and they have those performance goals then that's awesome and they're going to learn a ton doing that but like I want them to have fun cycling enjoy it a ton build a little community and then like be on the bike for the rest of their life like I want them to always see it as like a way they can stay active see it as like a welcoming community that they can be a part of and so what especially with the younger ones that's kind of the the way I'm trying to frame it so um that's kind of my first approach and I'm encouraging them to build their lives around it and or no uh uh, fit it to their lives is probably a better way to say it don't build your life around it that's maybe not yet (laughs) um um, but yeah so that's kind of uh, with the younger ones that's what it's been and then it's just been a really good learning experience for me too because like I spent a long time as an athlete, but it doesn't mean I know anything about coaching. Like I know what works for me as an athlete and I've seen lots of different techniques and I know a fair bit about cycling, but yeah, I, I think there's going to be a time when I want to kind of really, and I have a few, few clients that I coach personally, but there's going to be a time when I want to do my own thing and start my own kind of coaching business. But I just don't quite feel comfortable doing that until I've dipped my toe into a lot of different waters and and worked Mm -hmm. with a lot of different types of athletes because I just, you know, like I said, I've got that athlete experience. I don't totally have that coach experience yet. And I want to make sure that when I do start that, it looks like what I want it to look like. And I'm not pivoting, 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 right? Like I have a bit more of a vision. So and I'm just kind of trying to craft what that vision is, I guess. Well, it's kind of good. You're kind of got your feet in a lot of different things. And I think at some point you're going to go, you know what? My heart's really over here and this is where I'm going to go. And then you're going to build up your framework around it. Like what your coaching going to look like. Um, and, you know, the community around there and, and it's just going to fit. And you're going to yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I especially like, I didn't think I was going to enjoy coaching like teenagers as much as I do. Like, you know, need people like you. They're the best. They're so much fun. I coach this like group of like five or six, like teen girls. And they're the funniest people I've ever listened to in my entire life. Like, <laughs> you know, like 
God, was I like that as a teenager? Like, holy moly. They are so funny, Sylvie. And they'll have these conversations. Like, I'll be coaching them at the track. And they'll be having these conversations with each other. And, like, they don't realize, like, sound echoes off the track. Like, I can hear every word they're saying all the time. And so I'm just, like, I'll just be standing on the infield just, like, dying laughing. Just because, like, I don't know. I'm hearing, like, all this teen drama, like, 24-7. It's just fabulous. (laughs) All right, girls, let's try to break now. Oh my god. <laughs> like, like, yeah, we're doing team pursuit and they're just like the entire time. Like, I feel like we're maybe not going hard enough. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, don't yeah. worry about that guy. He's you know, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. And it's it's so great. And um and I forgot like a little bit of like how we know each other. Well, there's actually quite a lot of, you know, the the cyclery team. I've I've seen them and I've seen um Kinley walk through. And then and then like we were on a coaching course yeah. six weeks and I was just like, oh my God, I know some of these people. And and I I thought that was the best uh program. Um but it was good. It was yeah. really good. It was really good. And I think that more of that should happen. Um, a collaboration with Canadian coaches across um, across Canada or coaches, yeah. coaches across Canada, cycling coaches across Canada. Um, or There's just so much knowledge on that call. Like it was wild. Like, I, I was just like, holy moly. Like every time we did a breakout room, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, like, I don't know if I should be here. <laughs> oh, imposter syndrome was real, man. Like, I was just like, yeah, oh, yeah. Holy fish out of water. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. In there, like, so last minute. But anyways, so um, I just want to thank you. This has been amazing. I love oh, chatting. With us. And uh, so, um. We're going to add, so remember everybody, uh, thank you again for, for listening to this podcast. I hope you took something away. Please add, you know, your biggest takeaways in the notes or as comments and uh, follow both of us on Instagram. Please take a snapshot of this and uh, tag both of us. That would be super awesome. Um, share with your friends, give us a review, right, Kinley? I mean, like, we deserve a five star. I asked everybody. Yeah, five star. (laughs) Um, and a good review. And uh so thank you so much, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is a lot of fun, a lot of laughing. I like that. (laughs) I like laughing. And so with that, have an amazing day. Thank you so much again, Kinley. It's been a super pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Sylvia. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then... Have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.